0: Is Wildcat Insider, with the voice of the Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson, and KMAN Sports Director, Mitch Fortner.
1: Adversity. It kind of feels like all of a sudden on Saturday, you just got a good slap in the face with adversity. And that comes from the loss Saturday for K-State football, losing 17-10 to to an out 3-0 Tulane Green Wave at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. K-State is now 2-1. Welcome to Wildcat Insider. My name is Mitch Fortner with the voice of the Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson. Our number is 537-1350. Put on a 785 in front of that. You can call in and give your thoughts on uh, the loss to Tulane. Anything around K-State football, anything around K-State sports, if you feel like. You can ask us questions, or you can uh, also hit me up on Twitter, at Fort. I put out my weekly tweet asking for questions, and I did get some this week, so we can get to those uh, a little bit later on here, Wyatt. But, um, yeah, the loss, uh, man, really stung. And I, I know, uh, and if a certain caller wants to come on and do a victory lap, I'm okay with that, but uh, I said last week how confident I was about K State's chances against Tulane even though the you know the the Vegas odds were like what 14 15 points I felt like K State could win this game by three scores you know, honestly if a few things are corrected and there's just more focus uh on offense I mean I, st- I still don't feel like K State is a team that scores. And if you give it nine times out of ten, would not score just ten points against a team like Tulane, scoring ten points the same amount that UMass scored in uh, in their week one of game against Tulane. And so, why I'll just go to you here off the bat. Just uh, yes, the the passing game was an issue, even though Adrian Martinez was twenty one of thirty one for a buck fifty, which is the most yards he's thrown for. Had a great throw. Decade Warner for Kate's first touchdown in his career there was not enough chances taken not enough letting it loose down the field and with that lack of success with big plays not taking place just nickel and diming it maybe here and there and not having a groove offensively Tulane didn't have to make a whole lot of changes defensively with their game plan
2: that's absolutely right Let's start with the adversity thing because that's one of the first things when I saw Chris Kleiman after the ball game. And this would have been after we interviewed him, <clears throat> excuse me, on uh, radio post game. <clears throat> that's exactly what he said. We haven't had much go wrong with our program since back to 2021, probably the Texas game. Well, there were several things that didn't go well on Saturday. It, it's really, I think, an interesting piece to talk about today because. Where do you start? Were they ready to play? Did we get the same type of effort we got in week one and two? Now I think there is, you know, and there there were people all along that showed and spoke concern about the passing game. I kind of would say to that that I'm probably in a little bit more now than I was through the first two because I was buying the fact that I, I didn't think in week one against South Dakota they wanted to show much, and I don't think they did. They got away with Mizzou not showing much. And then in this particular game, the, the phrase that we've heard from Coach Kleiman and many others, including so many in the fan base, is, is when is Adrian Martinez going to quit playing so tight and let it loose, and there's your – the, the real words, let it loose and go play. All of those things are factors. You can also look at – K-State wasn't crushed by penalties on Saturday, but they had you know a couple of two or three. You, you could tell right out of the gate that you know false starts and those kind of things, pre-snap penalties, those are the ones that drive you crazy. And I felt like it took away from them. And then all of a sudden, you're not running the ball like you did in the first two weeks. Clearly you're not throwing the ball well. Your defense is keeping you in the game, but it is a task to try to get Tulane slowed down some. So there were a lot of things. And I guess I would finish by saying, at the end of the day, when you go third-down conversion, fourth-down conversion, combination, and you're three for 20, you're probably not going to win very many football games. And they were – yes, they had a lot of third and fourth and shorts – but they also had, in my personal opinion, several, too many third and longs. Hard to win football games, second and third and long. Yeah, Coach Kleiman
1: mentioned after the game, that's where they failed to execute third and fourth downs.
2: Really, the game comes down to our inability to convert on third down, Going two of fifteen, and then uh, inability to convert on fourth down. Going one of five. You know, put that on me. Don't put that on the kids. Um, I believe in our offense. I believe in Coach Klein. I believe we're going to make those plays.
1: Yeah, on third and fourth down. Well, in fourth down, we were seeing you know run plays, and we just saw the one conversion on fourth down where we is. We're hoping probably going back to that well and just going with the QB sneak under center. And Colin Klein did it a hundred times at K State, sure. but. Then we saw play calls where you know, those were the kind of plays where K-State fans started getting frustrated with Courtney Messingham about being in the shotgun, developing that handoff, maybe some pulling guards, and it just getting blown up in the backfield. And we saw a variation of plays on fourth down, but only one was able to work the whole game, and that was a QB sneak that was under center. And fans really started to get frustrated. We even heard boos yeah. on Saturday.
2: Yeah, there were a few times that there were some boos cascading down from my perspective with the headphones on in the booth and, and what have you. And, you know, I know uh, I've been asked a, a lot of times in the last couple of days about the one particular fourth down play where it looked like they had the option, the option. there and, and there was some hesitation there. You could see it. I mean, it just it's just what it is. So, again, I guess what I would say is, I felt like, defensively, they certainly played well enough to win the game. But offensively, it was really a pretty tough day. Yeah, they got a few yards. Yeah, the, the run game was OK. I mean, Deuce, it wasn't like Deuce was held to 20 yards. I mean, he had 81 yards. But, and, but, but they're just there's no shot plays. You know, I mean, everything was, was short and everything was a struggle to get anything going and anything done. And I think that is probably the the big frustration with, with the fans right now. And, you know, I go back to the, the original thought with the adversity. This is adversity. It, it, it's most difficult when you lose in the non-conference and you lose at home. It, it's one thing if you, you go to, say, where have they been in the past? Stanford and get beat, or you know, some something like that. This one's a little harder to swallow, especially when you have Oklahoma on the horizon at their place, and they have looked very, very good, very, very physical and confident. They're playing fast, so we've seen this before. It's now how do they handle it? And for me, that's there's a lot of questions we can. Talk about as we have here about Saturday, but for me, going forward and how they handle this week and are they going to be prepared this week? And it isn't just winning and losing the game; it's getting ready to play. Yeah, you know, it's hard when you get beat. You you better you. (laughs) They spend all week feeling sorry for themselves. It's going to be a long week in Norman too. To to speak on the defense, I know. Like
1: tackling numbers, tackles for loss, those were certainly above or below rather below average what the defense had done so far. But I mean, you know, holding Tulane under thirty points, their average so far, even though and I said it last Monday, this was gonna be by far, not even close, the, the toughest, most brutal defense that Tulane would have to face. K State forced Tulane to punt seven times and Tulane had punted once. That's true. Leading up to that game Saturday. And K State forced a couple of turnovers. I mean, one led to a field goal. K State couldn't do anything with the with the second interception, unfortunately. But it, you know, it wasn't like I mean, K State's defense I thought did a great job of giving the offense a chance to at least win the ball game. Go out there and win the ball game, making just multiple stops. And right now, K State's defense is plus six in the turnover margin. That's the best in the Big Twelve. Yeah, allowing the seventeen points was huge for K State's offense to possibly go out there and win. But now I will
2: say I think what threw the
1: defense off a little bit was Michael Pratt running the football. He
2: was a major key in the game, no question about that. And I, you know, no nobody wants to hear, you know, you got to tip your cap to the opponent and so on and so forth. All being about K-State and I respect that. I do, but in this particular case, they I believe were ready to play. They executed better survived a couple of mistakes, survived the road. Their quarterback was the better quarterback in this particular game, and nobody's talking about their defense, and their defense was pretty good. Yes, they're, the two teams that they had played previous were not very good. I'm the first in line to say I probably undervalued them, and that's a mistake. I did too. Yeah, because they were they were well-coached and— <laughs> Anybody who knows a little bit about football could tell they were flying around and they tackled exceptionally well. In yeah, my opinion, I, I
1: mean, just disrupted K State's offensive line. They were not going to allow Colin Klein to beat them with the bread and butter. Yeah, the running game. Adrian, I thought I thought Adrian ran the ball pretty well. A couple of times, I thought he should have been a little bit more aggressive with the running, but he he picked up some key first downs at times and. Deuce, they they tried to really get him going, but again, Tulane wasn't gonna let him have a big day. They did a really good of keeping Deuce Vaughn over 100 yards. We even didn't see Deuce for a little bit of time because uh, it, it, you know, he was cramping. He certainly was, but just it, we mentioned it earlier, and this was the obvious point, And I'm not, I'm trying not to be the knee jerk reaction after one game, but it's it's obvious the one huge thing that has got to change got to look down the field adrian missed open receivers down the field on multiple plays and usually when i'm doing my my announcing thing and i don't watch a whole lot of what's going on downfield I'm i know who's getting the ball right or if it's deuce i quickly go to deuce font number 22 on my chart and i'm not, not looking too much down the field it was clear that there were some open receivers that Adrian, I don't know if he just didn't see or didn't want to take the risk or if he's not wanting to let it loose and maybe worried about injuries again. I I don't know what's going on there. We probably will never find out what's going on there. But with that hesitation, it has turned it into defenses now just waiting for that run, stopping the run, and they're going to make you beat them with airing it out. And right now, Adrian has had only two completions over 20 yards so far.
2: Yeah, and, and in three games. So that, that is a significant stat. It's a, it's a very good point. Uh, again, I, th- I think football is a team game, and a lot of times we put way too much on the quarterback in terms of praise and criticism. But I understand in this particular case, I think, I mean, Chris Kleiman, when I asked him about it, you know immediately after the game as we're walking to television he said we've got to figure out a way for him to cut it loose and that holds all the water for me and this is a guy who in the radio post and you played the cut just a moment ago third and fourth down's not on the kids that's on me meaning the coaches okay okay again adversity where do we go from here well, and I also want to make it clear,
1: I'm not putting all the blame on Adrian Martinez. Yeah, I, I'm not going to put all the blame on him. I mean, I you can definitely criticize the blocking. Sure. I, the, the offensive line did not have a good day. Not just, like
2: what they're capable of. Yes. Yeah. That's true.
1: It, it took a while against Missouri to wear them down, get the run game going, but they, they ended up getting there and had a nice day of running the football
2: um, against Tulane. Never really got going. Plus, it, Here's the issue with what, go what in, in my personal opinion, and people can certainly weigh in here, no doubt about that, but my thing with K-State in the run game was is that their defensive front was decent enough that they kept those three good linebackers clean, and those guys made a lot of plays. They're ju- and they tackle well enough. You know, Normally, if you give Deuce a little bit of space, He's going to get more than a little bit of yards and we all know that. But his and his his long run of the day as I look at the numbers here was 26. That's a pretty good that's a pretty good one. What I want to find out and I haven't looked at this was what would have been 2 3 and 4 of his 20 carries. Like what was the longest after 26 and the one after that and the one after that and the one after that. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because I don't think there were very many that mm-hmm. were over what, five, six, seven, five, eight yards? Yeah, yeah. There just weren't. No. There's just not a lot of space. No, I, I don't really think anybody offensively had a good day. Yeah. Don't, uh, Deuce missed some open holes. Well, another one would be, and I'm, again, not picking on anyone, but and, and numbers are what they are. You can say what it is, but just looking at the numbers here, I mean, um, 21 of 30, as you mentioned, for Adrian Martinez, 150 yards. Eight targets for, for Deuce, eight catches. Knowles. Seven targets, five Warner, six four, Senate three two, Wheeler one one, but Philip Brooks five targets, one catch. I, I, w- I would like to know a little more in depth of, of why that might be. I, again, I'm not blaming Philip. I'm I'm just saying, you know, that's that's below the production of what we've come to expect.
1: Well, Phillip was one of those I was not happy with his blocking. I thought, you know, that was one of those games where the wide receivers, fullbacks, tight ends, did have to step up with blocking. And there were a lot of mistakes made. There just were. And I'm, I'm at least glad that this type of game where – and with the passing game, I know there were those that were pretty concerned about the passing game. And some of us, including me, that was like, well, trying to protect the playbook a little bit, not taking many chances – not the biggest issue in weeks one and two. But you needed to step up in week three. It just wasn't there. I suppose if if it's against Tulane and that's where you find out where you have some issues and you have to correct things and you know now you absolutely have to take some chances downfield, open it up, and try to convince Adrian Martinez to get that done. I suppose this isn't a bad time to realize that and make
2: it happen in week one of Big 12 play. I'd almost put it. Even another way, think about it like this. Let's say K State found a way to win 17 to 10 as opposed to losing 17 to 10. I maintain that there would still be people. I don't know if I would be one or not. I guess we'd have to put, be put in that situation to, to, to know. But there would be people with the numbers that he posted would still question as to whether when are you going to open it up? When are you going to be more aggressive? I just believe that to be so. So I, I I think that's where it's at. Again, quarterbacks get a lot of praise. They get a lot of guff, too. Mm-hmm. But in this particular case, I think most K-State people that I've talked to over the last couple of days are saying, hey, again, back to that phrase, cut it loose. Yeah. And I would rather see a mistake or two. Yes, uh, and 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 run with with the skill set. I mean, this is a guy that's thrown for almost eighty eight hundred yards, and and he's rushed for over two thousand. Go, go. Let's we'll see what happens when we get go. Throw a pick on
1: a fifty fifty ball <laughs> down the sideline. I mean, yeah. it's
2: a punt. So sure. what? At least yeah. you
1: took that chance. At least you gave yourself an opportunity for your wide receiver to go over there and make a big play. But uh, no, that 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 just hasn't happened yet. Yeah. So uh, but we'll definitely talk more about K-State and the offense. And don't forget, I mean, the defense, I thought, still had a pretty great game. Uh, both teams, what, they have both 362 total mm-hmm. yards? That's right. Both yeah. teams, yeah, uh, did the same thing, yardage uh, for offense. So, <laughs> But coming up in hour number two, we're going to hear from K-State Athletics Director Gene Taylor at 525. Up next, going to speak with K-State volleyball coach Susie Fritz, who starts Big 12 play Saturday against KU. That's up next on Wildcat Insider. We continue with Wildcat Insider Mitch Fortner and Wyatt Thompson. Still to come in Hour 2, K-State Athletics Director Gene Taylor. We'll take a look at the Big 12 preview of the Oklahoma Sooners. Right now we are joined by K-State Volleyball Head Coach Susie Fritz. Her team is now 9-4 with the non-con schedule now in the rearview mirror getting set for KU on Saturday in Bramwich Coliseum. But Coach, she had 9-4 through non-conference play and it seemed like you guys weren't getting a whole lot of breaks in between either a midweek matchup and a road trip for uh for three matches how much of a grind was those first 13 matches
3: <laughs> yeah i i, I th- yeah thanks thanks for having me and um you know appreciate uh asking about it it, it has um probably been just in terms of workload maybe one of the m- more difficult preseasons that that we've had you know it's 13 matches in a four-week period so uh, i think over about a three-week period we practiced about two and a half times and um so a lot of a lot of road travel a lot of uh player management team management um trying to get better as we play and um it, it some of it transpired we had a tournament fall through on a slate and it ended up putting us on the road three straight weeks um but i i do think we got better competing and um But but it was a pretty difficult segment for us to
2: be honest. You've played tough ones before, Susie, but I'm sure you feel like this, based on what you just said, gets you ready for a rugged Big Twelve that starts this weekend. It probably will feel pretty good to one be back home and two maybe have a little chance to catch your breath. Not a lot, but a little bit before Saturday. Is that is that accurate? Yeah.
3: Hi, Wyatt. Yeah. um, Good. Good. Thank you. Yeah, you know, we actually get to be at home for almost 10 straight days, which (laughs) I think it feels like an eternity, and um, I do think, you know, the benefit of, I think, going through that non-conference segment right there, that's by far the most difficult segment we're going to have all year. Now, the matches start coming a little bit um, with more time in between, but they also maybe get a little bit more challenging over time, but... Not having to play back to back, you know there's some things um not having to play two in one day, not having to play four in four days, you know whatever uh we just we felt like we were really really depleted last weekend uh i I think we felt pretty good going into the rice and creighton matches this weekend with two top pretty legitimate top twenty top twenty five teams um and we're really, really close. And I, I think if we would catch them again and catch them fresh, we, we like our chances. We think we're we think we're one of those teams. And um, you know, I, I'm I'm looking forward to a, a really competitive match on Saturday, and uh, and and have our team rested and be able to cross this a little bit, frankly.
2: I think, to augment what Susie is saying there, you you lose a really hard match on Friday against Rice in five, and come back against. Uh, Creighton, and correct me if I'm not mistaken, but I think they were ranked 17th in the country, and that went to four, So, uh, or I guess I guess it was three. Uh, was it four? I think it was four. Yeah, yeah
3: four, you, yeah, yeah.
2: How well did you play yeah, against Creighton? Re-
3: yeah, you know, I, honestly, if I just look at the bulk of the weekend, I thought we played relatively well throughout the weekend, uh-huh. frankly. Um, you know, Rice at Rice, we're up two with a chance to close it out in third, and um, you know, they're, they're good. They're, they're very good. And I, I felt like we got a little bit conservative in that one. And then came back the next day and I thought did a lot of things really well. We, we are, you know, we're working in two new setters, um, Legrand and, and Hinkle. And they're doing a wonderful job and they're, they're learning as they go, but a little bit under fire. And, uh, so offensive production right now for us and kill production right now for us is still a work in progress. And, But defensively, I I think we're ahead, um, on that side of the ball right now. So the focus is, you know, get back in practice, make sure that we can generate the offensive production that we need and, um, a little bit focus on kind of what's happening in transition and develop those setter hip, continue to develop those setter hip connections and, um, and frankly, just have a chance to be able to work on it feels pretty good.
1: Speaking of K-State Volleyball coach Susie Fritz here on Wildcat Insider. So I was uh, there in Bramlage to watch your, uh, the opening weekend, and uh, you have a new outside hitter in Elena Baca, who's a senior. She transferred in from St. Mary's, and right now she's your leader in points, kills, service aces. Just love to hear your reaction of how she has fit in with the team in 13 matches.
3: Well, I think one of the biggest benefits she has is she joined us. So we had we had some time with her um, to just you know have her come in and get comfortable. She just fits in seamlessly, really. Um, Transferring in from St. Mary's, they from a systems perspective are pretty similar to how we how how we like to play, and um, so I I think it was pretty comfortable with her coming in. She's she's wonderful, you know. They're all they're all wonderful in their own way, but she's she loves to learn. Um, she wants to be a pro and, and go back to Europe and play professionally. So she approaches just her daily work with a great amount of detail. And, um, you know, she's, she's been wonderful. I I think the thing that really stands out with her right now, she's one of our best ball handlers, which is kind of a big deal. So she's not just a one trick pony in her ability to kill balls, but she, she just plays really good volleyball and, takes care of the ball and handles first contact, which has really helped us a lot.
2: Coach Susie Fritz from K-State Volleyball with us. Um, I, I want to ask about Sydney Bolding. Is she as good as her numbers look like?
3: Has that a breakthrough? No question. <laughs> Sometimes when you, you know, I, I think it's just like when a freshman comes in. Sydney's also a transfer. Yeah. And I, I think when you come in as a transfer, there is a learning curve of of adapting to, for her in particular, a little bit of an adaptation of speed and power. And, uh, you know, she's always had, I think the athletic talent, but playing a year last year in the big 12 and figuring out what that needed to look like for her, she's just so much more comfortable, so much more confident. And I I think the short answer is yes. She's as good as, you know, she's as good as it looks on paper right now and playing as well as, as she has during her time as a Wildcat. I don't think she's done, honestly. I think she's, she's got a tremendous amount of upside.
1: Aaliyah Carter now a junior, and, I mean, as a freshman, was just a star, Big 12 freshman of the year. Entering this year, she's preseason All-Big 12. But now as an upperclassman, as a leadership, how have you seen her step up?
3: She Aaliyah, what I love about Aaliyah, her, just her motor, it really runs. Um you know, she leads in the weight room. She leads with her voice. She leads with her energy. She doesn't take days off. She doesn't take plays off. She's very, very effort and energy-based. And so you you know what you're going to get from her every day. She's going to come in. She's going to go incredibly hard. You know, she's going to use that energy and use that, um, I guess, enthusiasm, if you will, to, to not just kind of drive herself. But really high expectations, wants to be great. Is, is kind of coming in and out of some things, I think, as a junior and trying to find some consistency right now. And um, but it, as terms of you know what she's going to give us every day, she just leads with the way that she works.
2: It gave us, if, if you would, a quick uh, maybe a scouting report, so to speak, uh, on on Kansas.
3: Yeah. Um well I'm about 5 or 6 days out.
2: So I, <laughs> that's you know, good. I have, to be yeah. honest,
3: I haven't thought Yeah, I haven't I, I've got two great assistants that get ahead of me on that stuff, but yep. um you know they they are uh they are good. They are a legitimate top 25 team and and I think clearly at least as of right now in in that top 3 of the league standings right now for a reason. Um you know they're they're a very physical team. They're big at the net. They can kind of imposing from a blocking perspective. Um, BN, one of their outside hitters, is um, one of the better, I think, craftier, consistent outside hitters in the league. And um, and they've got a lot of returners. They've got a lot of pieces back. So um, it'll be should be a good matchup. You know, the only real comparison that we have is uh, we actually went to UCF on. Um, I guess it would have been week two, uh, played UCF, had a chance to, to win that one, but lost that one to five. UCF turned around, went to Kansas, and beat them last weekend. So wow. I, I think we we feel like we're in a, a good position. I really honestly feel like for the first time we're going to be as prepared, as rested, and as ready as we've probably been in 13 matches. So um, I, I am genuinely looking forward to I guess the product that we can put on the floor, um, knowing that that we can be at our best going into it.
2: I have to ask, uh, finally, final, final one here for me. I guess, do you find yourself driving by that new facility and looking daily or weekly? Or I know you're a busy lady right now, but you got to yeah, be excited yeah. about what you're it's seeing too.
3: It's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> it's amazing. I mean, I, I just feel a tremendous amount of gratitude, right, yep. to the Case State, you know, family and. And all of the people, Warden, Brenda Morgan, whose name will actually be on that facility, you know, and their generosity. And, you know, it's thinking about, um, I've been at it a minute, you know, and we've been in a couple of different <laughs> facilities. And um, thinking about just what I think it can and will do for us eventually once we can get in there and, um, you know, have, have all of the things that we need to upgrade. Just We've been training on one court, which is I guess the the best way to explain it is you can't really train a basketball team on two basketball goals any more than you can train a volleyball team on one net and yeah. so it it limits at times right the reps and the and the the repetition that I think our team really really needs and so it'll be a two court facility, and just from a training perspective, I think we'll be able to get a lot more out of them.
1: The Morgan Family Arena coming in the fall of 2023. Coach Fritz, greatly appreciate your time. Good luck on Saturday at Bramlage at 4 o'clock against the Kansas Jayhawks. Thank
3: you so much, you guys. Thanks, Susie.
1: That's State Volleyball coach Susie Fritz on Wildcat Insider. We still have athletics, Richard Gene Taylor at 525. Let's hear from uh, wide receiver Cade Warner when we come back. Wildcat Insider. You're listening to Wildcat Insider. Having uh, some uh, technical difficulties over here. All right, we're figured out. Back to Wildcat Insider. As long as it's not me, we're good. No, no, it wasn't you. You're doing a great job. It's all <laughs> on this guy right here. I'm pointing at myself. Uh, Mitch Fortnite with Wyatt Thompson. The one and only Troy Coverdale is uh, running the board today. Our usual Trayvon Brooklyn has a delayed flight in Chicago. So maybe he'll be able to join us uh, on Wednesday. But uh, we are talking during the break just kind of how you – conduct interviews in game. you mentioned Daniel Green. I thought Daniel Green actually had a pretty good day he did. against Tulane. He had that interception. He has now two on the season, which is really cool. And I thought you he, he didn't hear his name called a bunch on Saturday. I remember calling it a few times, but he was in there making plays. He's one of the better tacklers, I thought, on Saturday against Tulane. And who stood out to me offensively? Cade Warner. He finally – in his what now he's playing playing college football for five years and he finally got his first collegiate touchdown on adrian's best throw 21 yard touchdown and he got blasted right after he caught that football in the end zone he got blasted he hung onto it <laughs> got right back up pointed to the heavens and uh boy you know what he he took it quite well. He wasn't. I if it was me catching my first touchdown as a fifth year senior, I'm jumping all over the place like I'm Martine Gramatica, and I'm making sure everybody knows that I'm very happy with oh. myself for getting my first touchdown. But uh, he also caught a couple of other throws from Adrian, where he fought for extra yardage. He was breaking some tackles. I thought Kate himself had a great game.
2: I I, I would agree with that. Um, I I felt like he well let's go back to the start of the season it just seemed like he was so much more comfortable i i think frankly also more prepared for the for the season good with the surroundings captain confident you know probably stronger better shape uh and i think that's proven out he he's uh he's done a really nice job he he is one of those guys that uh Again, experience matters, and he's roughly 40 games into a career here between the three years at Nebraska and the two years here. So he does have experience, and I, I do think he's, he's playing at a pretty decent level. I really do.
1: He got up with the media after the game, and, uh, well, of course, the first question was about his thoughts on how the offense as a whole played.
0: Um, pretty poor. Uh, I don't think we executed well. Um, I think that we left a lot on the table um i wouldn't second guess any of those fourth downs um i already told somebody else but coach came in and said that he'd go for all those four downs again and i fully agree um, the fact that he puts the stress on us go out there and make plays we appreciate um, and we trust him back for it, uh, but we left a lot of meat on the boat. Why
1: don't you think you guys were more effective uh, yeah. in those situations?
0: Um, that's a good question. I had to look at the film again, you know, um, double check, but just execution. I don't think we executed to a high enough level. Um, but one thing I will say is that there was never a moment in that game until the clock hit zeros that I thought we didn't have a chance. And I think that speaks volumes to our offense and that we are going to just keep leaning and keep going, even though it wasn't going our way. I haven't looked at the stats or anything, but I know we didn't get a lot of first downs. And for that mentality of all of us on offense, saying we're going to win this game no matter what, um, I, think, I think it speaks volumes to our preparation. But we have to come back better than this.
2: How much do you think it'll help moving forward if you can get
1: the vertical passing game going a
0: little bit better? Um, I mean, it always helps. When, anytime you have the three phases, the short, intermediate, and deep vertical passing game, it uh, really completes an offense. And so we've been working on that. We had it um, this, this game a little bit in the bag. But we got to keep working on it. And, and come back better next week about
3: your touchdown reception there at the, at the end of the second quarter
0: yeah um amazing throw by adrian between those two dudes um all glory to god i'm happy i was there and having me that correct what's the mood like what's the mood like right now inside of the locker room uh, pretty sober you know uh, as it would be after any loss you know it hurts and it should because uh, the work we put in how much we love each and every guy in that locker room. If it doesn't hurt, then you're not in the right spot, you know. And so, it was hurting, but it's a hurt that doesn't mean the season's over. It's a hurt that means we're to come back next week and give even more, you know. I told the captains in the team last night that our job as captains isn't to you know win every single game, but make sure our guys give it everything they got, every single play, every down, every practice. And so that's what we got to keep going with the mentality.
1: That's Cade Warner after the game. And for the record, if you haven't been keeping up with the stats, your leading receiver right now for K-State, Malik Knowles, with. Ten catches for 92 yards, 63 yards, four catches for Phillip Brooks. Cade Warner with eight catches and, uh, and 60 yards uh, for the uh, for the receivers.
2: I, I felt that those comments were pretty poignant, don't you think? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I, I think he wasn't happy with the results. Um, wasn't really thrilled at all with, with the execution on on several different plays but still did have a chance till late in the game and i think that's accurate too and the mood of the locker room being somber and should be is is totally accurate um uh, and that's why i said earlier in the show too I, i'm going to be very interested on how they react to this because there hasn't been a, a adversity for a while but there's always going to be some right i mean it's just kind of the nature of the beast but uh Putting, putting all this together and getting ready to play on the road for the first time against that kind of team will be challenging. And, and maybe that's a good thing. I, I guess we'll find out. It, I mean, it's just, it's astonishing to me to think that uh, they will be starting on the road in league play for the 22nd time in 27 years in the history of the Big 12. That's ridiculous. Death but it, taxes. But it, is, but it is what it is.
1: Death taxes and a conference road game to open. Yeah, yeah. Uh, D. Scott actually had the uh, number on that. Uh, I don't remember what. How, it's happened only. I think K-State's only started at home and in, in conference play five times in yeah. the history of the Big Twelve. This will
2: be twenty-two and and five in twenty-seven years. That's that's wild.
1: Well, I know there was a lot of emotions for everybody after that game. Mad, sad, disappointed, embarrassed. Uh, as the team as well. When you lose to a a name, I'll put it that way. A name like Tulane, Group of Five team. Uh, also two and zero, yeah, that one does sting. It's a lot you know they got to put behind them because you're right. Oklahoma is what a two score favorite right now against K State on Saturday, which is a primetime game, seven o'clock on Fox. But you know what? I mean, that was a couple of years ago. You lose an opener against Arkansas State, and the Cats come storming back in that second half to beat Mizzou back in, or uh, I'm sorry, uh, beat uh, Oklahoma in uh, in uh, 2020. Yeah. That COVID year, right now, Oklahoma, by the way, thirteen point favorite uh, in Norman on Saturday. All right, uh, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll try to touch on a few games that uh, in the Big Twelve from this past weekend here on Wildcat Insider.
2: You're listening to
1: Wildcat Insider. But to finish up our one Wildcat Insider, take a look at the Big Twelve in Week Three. The Sooners are the opponent on Saturday. Well, two days ago. Uh, it was, you know, it was seven nothing Nebraska, but then all Sooners. away. I mean, Oklahoma took him to the woodshed. Did they did against uh, Nebraska in Lincoln?
2: Yeah, it went basically from what seven nothing to forty nine to fourteen when it was all said and done, and hundred thirteen rushing yards for Eric Gray. That's I think the thing: physicality and running the football for Oklahoma. They're throwing it around a little bit too, but they're running the ball. Yeah, Dylan Gabriel threw for 230 and a couple
1: of touchdowns, 16 out of 27. Gray ran for over 100. Now, uh, i got to be honest with you, this KU offense freaks me out a little bit. They are good. Like, they are doing what they want on offense. Led by Jalen
2: Daniels as KU beat Houston 48-30 on the road. Walter Camp, National Offensive Player of the Week, accounted for five touchdowns, 158-3 throwing, one twenty-three and two rushing. Uh, that's that's pretty legitimate. Uh, another game where, like West Virginia, they were down early, uh, down fourteen yeah. nothing, and then came back and really were never headed in the game, winning forty-eight to thirty. So heck of a win. It's hard to hard to imagine that they're three and zero. I don't know if I can call Lance Leipold lackluster anywhere. I'm
1: jealous of that offense. Sure, they are really good. Uh, let's see. Uh, you know what? The Roadrunners. You know they gave Texas a scare there for a little while, but the Longhorns end up running away with a 21 point victory, 41 to 20. But I gotta say, you know, UTSA they did score the same amount of points as Alabama <laughs> in Austin. Yeah, they could take that home, I suppose. Sure.
2: Yeah, this was a 17 all game at halftime, but all Texas after the break, 24-3. Bijan had 183 yards and three touchdowns, and a pretty darn good football player there.
1: Now I thought this one would be a little bit closer. Um, but uh, number sixteen, NC State, wins by thirteen over Texas Tech at home. I didn't think Tech would win the ball game, but I thought maybe a one score game. But uh, NC State with a a fourteen point second quarter was the
2: was ready, the difference. Ready for the reasons why? Four sacks, four takeaways, including a pick six. That pick six made it twenty nothing. That's just too much to overcome on the road. Yeah, Donovan Smith, um, yeah, just
1: wasn't as sharp
2: as we had seen in the previous two games. Be interesting to see because they have Texas this weekend. Mm, if right. Tyler Shuck could possibly be ready, and okay. it sounds like Quinn Ewers was scheduled to practice at the beginning of this week, so that Tech Texas game could get we will probably talk more about that next hour, too. Yeah, That that could be a very entertaining game.
1: Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, that's going to be in Lubbock, too. Uh, Let's see. Where else can we go to? Um, Anything else stand out to you? Uh, Because there are some cupcakes on the schedule this week. Yeah. As well for some Big 12
2: teams. I mean, mean, for me, the one thing that I think sticks out, and this won't shock anybody uh, because it's not shocking to some, but it's a big deal for me. Baylor beat Texas State 42-7. But they needed needed some running back help. Squirrel Williams, about the only guy that they have back, and Richard Reese, a true freshman, went for one fifty six and three. He's it, a good looking athlete. It, I heard he, yeah, I heard yeah. he had a really good game. Yeah,
1: give credit to Iowa State's defense, who's been pretty solid so far. Uh, holding Ohio to ten points, forty-three to ten was that final? But uh,
2: and Oklahoma State still rolling with Spencer. Their
1: defense has been uh, pretty solid as well. Yep. Yep. Uh, our two Wildcat Insider will get back into the passing game of K-State and we'll also hear from K-State Athletic Director Gene Taylor. That's on the other side of your local news. Which is next.